Good morning and welcome to the newest episode of A Couple of Coffee with Bill. Joined today by Matt Wolf, founder and CEO of Ticket Time Machine. And we're just talking the evolving idea of being a fan post-COVID now that everyone's going back to the arenas. Fenway Park in my neck of the woods is at capacity. Um, but one thing, we're, we're seeing a lot of things being removed from the fan experience because of the pandemic and also because of uh, certain technological efficiencies. And so I asked Matt to come on, talk about his company, where he sees the industry going about how we are fans moving forward and how we uh, as pros in this industry need to approach fans just to keep people engaged. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Looking forward to always looking forward to talking about tickets and fans and fan experience. So, so we'll we'll dive right in. Can you just give us some background on you and Ticket Time Machine because it's a very it's a very interesting concept, especially now with some of the news we'll talk about here in a second. But it's an interesting business. Yeah, I appreciate that. The timing is great. Today is actually the four year anniversary from when I. Ticket Time Machine was born in my brain. I was at a Marlins game. I, I went because it was a uh, Stanton bobblehead doll. And I'm a, I love bobblehead. So we kind of, anytime there's a good bobblehead, we go, we go down to the game and we go to Stanton bobblehead game. And nine innings later, uh, Edinson Volquez has thrown a no hitter. And I had a digital ticket. It didn't, it didn't even occur to me to go ask the box office for a ticket, but they announced over the loudspeaker if you'd like a printed ticket, come to the box office. So, of course, we went to the box office to, to grab it and went over and asked them, you know, this is great. Can you put Ensign Volquez no hitter on the ticket? And they said that they couldn't. And I have a background in ticketing and I know that they can. They just don't want to or won't. And so that's really how Ticket Time Machine was born. Uh, you know, the digital ticket was coming for years. That's four years ago. Uh, but you know, we're keeping the printed ticket alive, the printed memory alive. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which I'm sure we'll get into today, but that's why Ticket Time Machine exists. We're a fan first company um, and we're keeping memories. We're selling memories, we're keeping the printed memory alive. Uh, and, I, you know, there's a huge market out there for people who, who, who collect memorabilia, which is essentially what we are, mm -hmm. uh, merchandise, whatever you want to call it. But uh, that's why we exist. See, so, Basically, if I think back to my younger years, I grew up in Ohio. I'm a loose Cincinnati Reds fan. It's been a rough, rough stretch for most of my life. Uh, but I think back to the Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr. days. You know, he does something cool, but I don't have a ticket for it. I can submit some information on the website and I get a commemorative uh, ticket with whatever I want about that game. Something, you know, he, he turned a triple play. Um, I can have that on the ticket. So ideally that's what will happen. And we're working towards that. I don't have permission to print anything today. So everything I'm doing is based on licensing partnerships and the like. So the reds actually print reprinted tickets and write souvenir on the back and sell it. Mm -hmm. There were two teams that do that. Uh, there was a licensing deal. So there's going to be some more souvenir tickets in, in major league baseball and some of the teams have done a specialty ticket, but they're, they're kind of like glorified bookmarks. They don't really, they're not customized, but ideally that's what we would have. We'd have a relationship with the Reds or Major League Baseball where you can come on and, and order a ticket 
or a game that you went to and customizing the person. Now, it might not look exactly like the ticket that was actually uh, given out if it was a pass game. In the future, there are no tickets, so it almost doesn't matter what design we have. But if there's enough interest, we could recreate the design, actual design of a ticket. But uh, that's, that's, you know, your, your example is exactly right. You have okay. a ticket and you'll be able to have something that commemorates it, but also customizes and personalizes. Okay, interesting. So, so part of what um, I asked you on for is now that we're coming out of COVID, you're starting to see in part for safety, but also because a lot of teams and leagues are looking for ways to try and recoup revenue. And in turn, they've got to start cutting some expense lines. And we're, we're starting to see the um, elimination of physical tickets, ticket takers, um, different gate workers where we find that touch point. So to start off in the news, I'm sure most people saw the NFL announced that they're going completely digital ticketing in 2021. Um, and if I think about some of the events that I've gone to, I'm a big concert goer. I love the band Fish. Um, they're, you know, those tickets, I think I've got all 32 tickets for the concerts I've been to over the past decade. Uh, some of them are just the plain stock ones that you get out of Ticketmaster or Live Nation. Others are the pretty tickets you get from their lottery system. Um, what And there are memories attached to those. I look at one of the tickets and I can tell you a specific song there, even if it's not written on it. It's just those experiences are so deeply embedded in us after we've gone through them. What, what are we losing as fans and what are the teams uh, risking by going this route? You know, understanding that there are some savings and efficiencies that can be found by cutting down on ticketing. Yeah, a lot, a lot to, to delve into with, with that, but you're exactly right. Um, these tickets elicit memories. Uh, everyone has, it could be a shirt, it could be a poster. Um, and the thing about the ticketing is, let's just even talk about concerts. Like how many shirts can I have, right? How many fish shirts? concerts can I how many posters can I have yeah, check to my closet have, over there <laughs> you might have too many but it, you know there's a limit and they're expensive mm -hmm. and the posters too I have tons of posters but where am I going to put them who has mansions to put all the posters up so really what we're doing is we're creating these mini posters and they're you know it's a keepsake from the event now fish is an interesting animal because they have their mail order tickets right they, they get it they get that the fans want that and so um that's what a lot of people are losing. Now, let's talk about the NFL. I don't think it's even possible for them to go 100% digital. That's just them putting that out there. So there will be tickets. There will be people who come up who, whose phone's not working, the Wi-Fi is out, you know, whatever the case may be, they're going to have to generate some type of printed ticket. Um, it's been going heading that way for a long time. And COVID is the perfect scapegoat for this. All right, there's no extra safety by using a digital ticket as opposed to a printed ticket. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff that people are doing with regards to COVID is really just the appearance of being more safe. And they'll spin that it's a better experience. And for some people it is, some people don't want a printed ticket. But it, for a lot of people, it's not a better experience. They wanna save money, which I don't even think they're saving a ton of money anyway. And then also um, they want your data. They want to be able to track your data. And that's the two reasons. And everything else is just excuses 
and um, you know they're just trying to to make it seem like it's a better deal for you, and it's not really, and that's okay. If you want to go to that because of those reasons, great. I think it's probably smart for them to do it, but I think that you you should offer something to the fans who want it, and it, and you'll gain revenue. I mean, we're talking about generating revenue. It was something that used to be an expense, enhancing the fan experience, which you talked about, and then also adding value for your, your sponsors and your brand partners. Uh, what are they going to lose? That's a, that's a great question. If I'm a season ticket holder or if I'm a fan of a team, I'm, I'm not going to stop going to the games because I don't have a ticket, but I might, I might uh, react in different ways that you might not even be able to measure. I might, you know, have a, I have a bad taste in my mouth, so I'm not going to give m- more money to you or buy this or buy that. So there's stuff that, I, you know, that I think might not even be able to be measured uh, for it. But at the end of the day, you should want to do things to make your fans happy. You're going to need to have them come to the, to the seats, right? There's a challenge in getting people in the seats. And it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, very few teams and leagues are, are really doing what the fans really want it's they're doing stuff that they think the fans want but if they do i'm not sure they really know what the fans want and i think they're kind of doing it half-assed and kind of just the bare minimum is what i see out there and you bring up an interesting point with the the savings especially around season ticket holders you know i got my start in the industry with the dayton dragons um, selling season tickets and single game tickets and i i always remember uh, once we got all the ticket numbers proofed and the designs were done, the schedule was set, um, and we got the pretty stock, as we called it, uh, in the office for uh, our season ticket holders, packaging up whatever the the gift was that we would send the tickets in. Um, and you've seen that evolve into you know the extremes. I think back to the Las Vegas Raiders last season when they sent out their season ticket packets, it came in a metal metal case that looked like the new stadium and as you opened it the tickets rose up from the bottom um you know very futuristic sci-fi looking presentation um so they're still spending money on something to send and present this season to the fan why are, are we really you know to your point gaining that much back on the bottom line by cutting out some nice card stock I don't really think so. No, I'm going to show exactly what you're talking about. I mean, look at this monstrosity. (laughs) You know, it's got, it's got the Rams, like a a state, you know, this is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's another, another great example. Yeah. And this is a good gift to a season ticket holder, but what, what am I even going to do with this? Mm -hmm. Like, this is cool. Maybe I'll leave it out. That's fine. But the expense to do that, you could have printed, season ticket you know the tickets and i don't know i I just think you're right it's it's they're doing stuff that they think is good at the end of the day all you gotta do is offer them i'm not telling you hey teams spend money and do the tickets all i'm saying is give the fans an opportunity to buy it if they don't want to buy it that's fine some people might not want to pay 100 bucks 200 bucks for tickets if that's if that's what it's gonna it's gonna take but um but there are plenty of people who do, and you could charge five bucks, two bucks. You could sell a printed ticket for a dollar a piece and make a ton of money. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should sell it for a dollar. I'm just saying if they wanted to, they could print it for a dollar a piece for everyone who wants it, 
and they'd be making thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's more potential sponsorship inventory on the day of, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of revenue opportunities there that can offset what might be a small, small bump uh, as far as expenses go on a game by game basis. Um, well, here's the interesting thing too, and you're in, in, you know, activations and marketing and sponsorship world. There's exactly what you said. That's more real estate, more assets to, to either sell to sponsors or maybe say, hey, look, we're going to give this to you. All right, we're doing this thing. It's going to be part of your package. The thing is that these teams and leagues and everyone, val- I think they value their assets more than they really are. So they're saying, look, if Ticket Time Machine wanted to give away a special ticket to every fan at the Reds game, they would say no. They would, it would have to be part, I'd have to pay more. I couldn't just pay my own way to the ticket and create the ticket and say, give it out. They'd want to say, no, you got to pay for the right to have your name to do that. So look, I get that in some ways, but at the end of the day, who's missing out? The fans could have something great to say, okay, I'm going to do this. You can sell this space or give this space to the sponsor. It's costing you nothing and the fans get something. So how, how is that, you know, who, who says no to that? Why, or why do you say no to that? I don't understand it. You know, uh, something is worth only what someone will pay for. Right. So if you're giving away, you're not cheapening or, or lessening the value of it. Why not? Yeah. So what, what's, what's going to take its place? Because, you know, we, we're obviously both fans of the, the paper ticket because of what it means and represents post-event and years down the road. What, what do you see, um, who's doing a good job of replacing that to try to give us something that we can take home? Is it all gonna be on the blockchain? And we'll, we'll jump to NFTs here in a minute, but what, what's next that takes its place that is still something I can show my kids or grandkids in 30 yeah, years? You know, ticket time machine. We're gonna have the tickets different they're going to be collectibles they're going to be souvenirs you can push digital content with it we have augmented reality experiences and then you know the old school stuff that you're used to a ticket where we can print whatever we want on there and there's nicer stuff right you got foil on tickets that's what we're doing um there are other there are some other companies out there that are doing it uh you know i don't know that they're doing it well but they're doing it which is good it's it's a proof that people want it and um, but also, on the other hand, when you put something out there that's not great and not authentic and not really at, to the standard that it should be, it's twofold. It's great that you're doing it right because people say, hey, look, someone's doing it. It might as well be something worth doing. And then the other hand, it's like, well, it's not going to do great. It's not it doesn't look great. So it's, you know, that might hurt it. So it's kind of like a double edged sword there. I, I don't ever think that you know, digital will replace physical. There's room for both physical and digital experiences. Um, the NFT is a different thing. You know, I, I had just had this conversation yesterday. I, I think they're, they call a lot of things collectibles, but they're not really, they're not collecting these things. They're, they're using it as investment. And, and that's really what they are. Most, most the NFTs, you're not spending $10,000 on an NFT to, hold it and not do anything with it. You're kind of going to right. see where it goes. And, that, and that's kind of the way, the way that the baseball card, the trading card market has gone. People aren't collecting these things. 
they're buying them because they're of value. You know, I used to collect cards. You know, it was great if somebody thought something shot up in value, but it was a, a true collectible. And so I think you really need to distinguish what's a collectible and what's an investment. And that's how you can understand the difference between, you know, what the NFTs offer and maybe even some trading cards and some of the stuff that we're offering. Because, you know, Ticket Time Machine's going to get into the trading card market. But what? not for that, but not for that reason. Not to be like, hey, I hope you buy this and it, it's worth a thousand dollars tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the 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 trading cards I never got into myself. I got I have a small collection from a deal I did through when I was with Major League Lacrosse um, before I left the league, um, helped sign a trading card deal. Um, so I've got a small collection. That was, that was Parkside. That was with Parkside, yep. Just talked to Parkside yesterday. They're doing some good things, and we hope to work with them in the, in the near future. No, Eric and Matt are uh, two of the best. I mean, they're especially what they're – some of the special editions that they've come out with. Um, you know, the NWSL one is just another example of how they, – they get it. They get it. So I'm glad to hear that you're, you're in touch with those guys. Um, but I never, never got – too far into those but you know i totally understand what you're saying about the investment versus the collection piece um you know going going back to my fandom you see some of them on the wall there the fish posters um you know that's it's the same market that's split down the middle some people i'm not selling anything that i have but other yeah. people have been sitting on old jim pollock posters from the 80s that you can buy for ten thousand dollars right now um and, you know, the, the NFT space, to get back to that, I think there's some fascinating implications in this conversation because as we start to see physical tickets go away and to, to some extent, maybe I, I agree with you that they can't completely go away because no matter how good the technology gets, no matter how stable Wi-Fi gets, Murphy's Law comes into effect, right? So you're going to have to have some kind of a backup to get somebody in the door. And I don't think you want to risk business relationships that a team has built because a sponsor of yours is having trouble transferring digital tickets to a client that they want to uh, woo and they get to the gate and told they can't come in. So there's always going to be that fail safe. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on NFTs being tied to the tickets, even on, you know, even with digital ticketing? Because I can envision, you know, a team utilizing every game in their season, and maybe it doesn't work for baseball. Maybe it's for a, a shorter um, season league like the NFL, where you have the digital ticket, but each barcode for that game, so it's limited to 50, 60,000 people, um, has a, an NFT tied to that ticket for the game of a great, um, you know, a Nelson Aguilar catch from Mac Jones later this season. Um, it's, I can dream about that, but, you know, tying it to that. So it's, it's collectible in the sense that, you know, it's not going to be worth a ton of money on the market because there are 50,000 of the same one out there, but that is a memory tied to that ticket, even if you're not physically holding it. Why go through all of that? instead of just giving a ticket if it's if the nft is not going to be for the investment and and the experience of what it is you already have the ticket mm -hmm. making an nft doesn't add to the experience that's what I, I i'm confused about with the nft market is just doing an nft without an experience backed 
from it is it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and the value of it is okay. Someone still wants what you have. So once you, if you do tie an experience to the NFT and you've used that experience, like Gronk sold his things for a million dollars, right? And he can do, you know, you get to sit with him for a day. You don't need to do that through an NFT. You can just do that. But now he did that through an NFT and it's now kind of, okay, why is that worth anything? Mm -hmm. That's what I need to see. Like, why is it valuable? Is it just valuable? Cause there's, you know, this is a hot thing and there's not a lot of them and it's, you know, people are selling them and trading them. So I don't, you know, I don't understand that. So I'm, maybe I'm not the right person to talk to, but why not just do a ticket instead of an NFT that has that value uh, for you? And again, only selling it to the people who want it. Right. right? So, you know, you might not even need 50,000, but um, the cost of it is, you know, 50,000 tickets. If Again, if you sold 50,000 tickets and you sold that commemorative ticket for a dollar, you'd make a, a ton of money. Yeah, and that... I'm still, I, I only ask about the NFTs to play devil's advocate. I, I still had another episode uh, interview for this show that I haven't released yet. And my guest, uh, Martin Graham, he works for Ohio uh, State Sports Properties on the athletic department. And he, he pointed it to me, he, someone told him, if you can explain NFTs to your grandmother in very basic terms, then you probably understand it. So in that capacity, I understand it, but I still don't see where the long-term value is. And I think a lot of it was driven out of the need for some kind of action in people's lives when we didn't have sports to go to in person, um, you know, and some kind of gamble or investment. And to, to further that, I was listening to another podcast, I think on the SBJ network of podcasts. And one of the guests was discussing NFTs and he was like, you know, I don't really know how it's going to go, but I've got an empty TV in my house that maybe I'll display some of the ones that I've got in my collection on there, you know, almost like artwork. And, you know, I just don't know if that's really, what's, what's the staying power of it is my point. Yeah, that's what everyone wants to know. There's, there's money to be made, you know, is it's, is it the MLM type where the people who got in at the beginning are the ones who made the money and everyone else is going to be stuck with things, possibly, it also depends on the blockchain technology. Um, you know, it's not, someone just was talking yesterday about the amount of energy it takes to, mm -hmm. to run these NFTs. So are you gonna get behind that if you're worried about, you know, being green? Um, I, I don't know, I don't own any NFTs. I'm not, I'm not sure I would because, you know, to me, it's an investment and I don't know that it's a worthwhile investment. It's certainly not a collectible for me. I have my collectibles the same as you have the stuff I would never sell, you know, short of you giving me life-changing money, mm -hmm. which no one's going to offer anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'm not all in on the NFTs. We, we, we're going to do uh, cards, you know, tickets and cards and collectibles that are associated with NFTs, you know? So, you know, I think there's a market for it and we'll see. I mean, it's just, you know, the pe I think the people who are pushing it are the ones who are heavily invested in it. And that's the same with everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I still am not convinced that a lot of these late entries into that market are going to survive. I think um, you mentioned Gronk earlier. I think his, Brady's, Top Shot, um, you know, I think some of those bigger names that just have staying power in general, 
uh, in at, as athletes and are able to produce maybe some more dynamic ones will be there, but I just don't see how some of these later ones are going to do much more than come in, get some quick money, and that's that. It's just not a sustainable. But think, think about Top Shot, and they're doing some great things. They're backed by Dapper Labs, and Dapper Labs is going to adjust, and they'll find the next big thing, and their technology is pretty good. But think about you know, the data that these companies are collecting when they do a drop, because not everyone can get one, but everyone wants one. Right. So they have thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people who have already registered for it. They have this database now that they can use, which is, I mean, it's, it's worth a lot of money to them. So they're, it's a very valuable company and it's a valuable project just based on the data that you're collecting from the people who want in. Well, and, you know, just to, bring it full circle. It's an MBA backed project. Um, all that data can be used to target a, a pretty tricky demographic right now, right? And what what do we want to sell them? We want to sell them on, on tickets. We want to get them in the arena. So um, it, it's interesting to think about it in that regard that we're, we want to sell these to a demo that is hard to figure out and has changing tastes um, interested in sports, but don't necessarily go to the games. Um, so we're selling them this digital asset and investment vehicle. And then we've got all of this data that suggests they might buy this stuff, but we're not activating on it right away. So it's an interesting conversation. Again, NFTs are still mostly a mystery to me, but it's interesting how how quickly it's blown up and what we're in like the sixth seventh month of them being i can get you in touch with people who are very intrigued by nfts know a lot more about it than me and are are excited about where it's going uh you know to to have a conversation and i think uh you know that it would be a good conversation to have because it's a hot topic right now yeah i I'd, I'd love that again i think there is some staying power with some of them but i'm I need someone to convince me, uh, convince me fully on it, because um, there's just too much unknown in my mind. Um, what? So I, I think this is interesting. I I don't see again tickets going away. I but I think groups like yours who recognize that there is a piece of the fan experience being taken away from us um, for the sake of technological ease and um, you know, they, they'll call it enhancing the fan experience by having this information about you that you prefer to go into gate three and you prefer these concession stands and this is the kind of beer you drink and this is what you've bought at the merchandise stands. Um, you know, I, I still don't fully buy it. I think some of the convenience factors are nice, but uh, I still want to have that thing on my on my shelf that I can look back at and be like, man, that was a fun time. Um, you know, and here's something specifically I remember about it. Um, so kudos to you guys. And, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what you guys are able to do and continuing to try to protect some of those memories, uh, down the road. Um, so I want to shift gears just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so to start off, what are you reading right now? I'm actually reading a book called the stand by Catherine Bertine. And I'm not a big reader, but it's good that you asked that question because Catherine is going to be on the Wolf Den next week. And one of the stipulations for her coming on the show would be that I read her book. 
So I'm almost done with it. It's a great book about um, championing for the underdog and, uh, you know, charity, charitable type things and just taking a stand, which is, you know, it's, it's huge for in now. We have all different types of stuff for equality, being at Pride Month and, uh, you know, the LGBTQ plus um, community with Pride Month and equality, uh, mental health, and just, just you know, it, it's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a great read. I'm excited to have her on the show. And I'm not a reader. I don't like to read, read a lot. But uh, that's what I'm reading now. And I, I, I just, uh, I think it's great. It's a great story. It's, it's motivating. And uh, what she's done is incredible. I encourage you to look her up or listen to the show. The Wolf Den, I think it's on Monday the 7th. But uh, that's what I'm reading. Yeah, I'll have to tune in for that one. And I think it's like you said, it's timely, especially um, with more and more support going behind uh, Naomi Osaka. You know, I saw this morning that Calm, the meditation and relaxation app, was donating 15000 or um, it was a sizable donation to a French mental health organization um, and also uh, also announced some other initiatives that they're going to back um, around furthering mental health uh, causes in the wake of that. Uh, so it's a good, interesting book, and I'll, uh, I'll have to check that one out, but it's timely. Yeah, I think, you know, a point, one of the things to say about that is it's great that Tom's doing that. There's going to be a lot of brands, and, you know, Nike bets, Osaka, and it's great what she did. But what people don't understand is, and this is the thing with Pride Month and Mental Health Month, we need it year round. We don't need, you know, it's great to be in the spotlight for the month, but we need it year round. It's got to always keep the conversation moving forward. And I, I'm not belittling anything with Osaka, but she can afford to take a mental break. Right? How many people can't afford to take a mental break because they'll get fired or they need the money, whatever that, that may be. And you can't, everyone needs to be able to take it because you know, it just needs to happen. People can't go, you can't survive um, and you can't do your, you're not your best self if you're not taking that, that break. So that's really one of the things that we do at, at, with Same Here is kind of you know, the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement is to keep the conversation moving forward, understand that it starts from the top. I'm the same here CEO and putting those environments so people feel okay to talk about their experiences and to say, hey, I need a break. Um, and I think it's great what Naomi did. Um, you know, I think it's terrible that it came to that, but I think it'll probably be more positives than negatives moving forward. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I, I appreciate you saying that. I think that's uh, something I've dealt with in terms of the burnout. And I think that's probably the biggest threat to health and just in general, the talent within the sports industry is um, that not being a quite an open topic yet with leadership oftentimes. Um, so I appreciate you, you bringing that up and it's a great point. And uh, you know, you got at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself because the job's not always going to be there, but you want to try to be around as long as uh, as long as you can to enjoy enjoy life and what you're able to do with it. So um, thank you for touching on that. Um, who who are you following? And it can be an influencer, a thought leader, but basically as soon as they hit post, you've consumed it. You're thinking about it. You're replying to it. Yeah, I I wrote an article on influencers. I'm not a big fan of influencers. 
Um, so it's funny. And I follow, I follow a bunch of, I love what Barstool Sports is doing. Um, and I don't agree with all this stuff, you know, watching Dave uh, Portnoy, uh, El Presidente, you know, I love watching his pizza stuff. I like fun stuff because, you know, I, there's so much material out there and content. I think a lot of it is tired and old. I don't think it adds value. And I think these influencers, they get followed and people do reply and they're kind of being rewarded for bad behavior. Mm -hmm. they, they're just doing it for the follows. So it's an interesting question. I, I don't, you know, I follow a ton of people, you know, just to kind of see what's out there. But if they're not interacting with me, then I'm not going to interact with them so much. It's like, there's a lot of one-way relationships out there on social media. And I'm not a big fan of a one-way relationship. I think it's okay to follow people. Like that's what blogs are for and newsletters and, you know, webinars and, and podcasts and stuff like that. But on a daily basis, if you're just putting stuff out there and you're not engaging with people, I think it's, it's, it's the disingenuous. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, and then uh, last question, and then I'll ask you to pitch uh, the Wolf Den just to share, um, share with everybody out there what you're doing with that. Uh, what do you have your eye on over the next three months? Well, so we're, you know, everything's coming back, right? There's events. So we're, we're hoping to get a piece of that to help commemorate. Um, and if not, you know, be in great position for next year's events, which, you know, they'll have more time to plan. Uh, we have augmented reality experiences coming through. Uh, that's I'm hoping to have that in the next three months. Just sent a note out today and we get an update on where we are with that. And I think that's, you know, we're looking to turn the ticketing world and the collectible world on its side and really push the limits of, of what can be and, uh, and really put pressure on the, on the teams and the leagues to, to offer this. So that, that's really what, you know, what I'm excited about most. And I'm going to be back in the next three months. I'm going to be back going to events, which I love. I mean, nothing makes me happier than being out in a, in the lawn, you know, listening to some music and seeing my favorite teams play, uh, you know, grabbing a beer and a sandwich in the parking lot, tailgating. And, and so I'm really looking forward to that, but I'm excited about where Ticket Time Machine is going. I think there's a lot of, uh, of runway and this is just the beginning of it. And uh, yeah, really, really just excited to, to see where it goes. But I would say augmented reality is the, the biggest thing that's coming up for us next. Yeah, that that's one I've tried to work into proposals and some marketing concepts for clients in the past. Um, seemed like it, it probably took hold too early because not a lot of people knew what they were doing with it. Now it seems like the foundation of incorporating AR into venues and events and other experiences people understand how to work with it now and it's people are, there's some really cool stuff coming out with it there's great stuff it's way too expensive right it's been around for 10 plus 10 15 years already but it's too expensive so there's you know you're limited as to who can even afford to do it the big brands are the ones who do it in a stadium i guess if they want to do it. so we're looking to, to incorporate it more into mainstream and maybe have some off-the-shelf type experiences to lower that barrier of entry for people to to use it and i think we're in a good position uh, to do that interesting uh real quick before we go can you share uh share what you're doing with the wolf den your your show that you do live 
Yeah, the Wolf Den is, it's a, you know, is it a podcast? I don't know. Think of the late night talk show. That's what I aim to be. We bring on people. We have casual conversations. It's not scripted, although those are probably scripted and these people are handed the question in advance. But it seems like a casual conversation. And what I want to do is bring people on who have a story to tell, talk about what they're working on, what they're promoting, talk about what they're passionate about, and just elevate, you know, their voices and their story, because there's a ton of stories that need to be told. And look, I love to have the most popular people in the world on there, but we've already heard their story. And if they want to join the show, great. Um, but, you know, I love talking to the people who like Keegan Brown, who's the 14 year old um, moto racer and, you know, hear his story and how, you know, find out how we can help him. And so more people can get, and I've had conversations with some really big names and I say, look, I don't care who you are, how many followers you have. I have people in my network who have never heard of who you are. And mm -hmm. so there's value for you coming onto my show. And, to, and I don't, and like you, I don't keep track. I don't, you know, I don't have an idea of how many people are listening, but if one person listens and hears your story and is motivated, it's all worth it. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're, we have some great shows coming up. We're looking for, uh, you know, how to make it bigger and better. I'm a one man show doing it. So you know how it is. It's tough. Uh, the, the advantage for me is it's live and unedited. So I kind of just, you know, do a show, which I actually don't have one today, but uh, do a show and I'm done with it. And then we kind of promote and set it up. So there's not as much time being invested, but uh, love to have a sponsor down the line. Love to maybe even have a co-host. We've done some crossover events. It's, um, you know, I, I'm excited for where that's going too. I love doing it. And as long as people want to come on the show, We'll continue to keep doing it. I've, I've gotten some a lot of positive response from it. Yeah, that's I mean that's part of what um, what this show came about was trying to find those new conversations that other people weren't having. Some different vantage points. Um, you know, you were great enough to invite me on to be a guest and talk about my background and uh, with my job search. Um, so you know, thank you again for that. But great show, and we can find that on LinkedIn and where else. Yeah, it goes live on LinkedIn and Facebook. It archives on YouTube. I don't really have a following there. And so I kind of just use it for archives. But you can, if you go to Ticket Time Machine on YouTube, you can find all of our previous episodes. Uh, follow me, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, not follow. I don't want to use that word follow. Uh, but follow me on Instagram and Twitter, either Ticket Time Machine, you'll find there. And, and, and we push the episodes there. And so we're, lo we're looking at, uh, we'll follow you on LinkedIn, Twitter at Ticket Time Machine. It's on YouTube. Um, this, uh, well, Matt, I mean, this was great. I, it's an enjoyable discussion. I think there's a lot to, to mull over, especially looking at how we're reopening because this is uh, gonna be a memorable summer. Uh, just as far as getting back out there and trying to um, just enjoy life again, you know, hopefully some of the stress for a lot of people is starting to, to diminish a little bit and we can get back to doing what we love. And, you know, again, I think having um, just a, a simple piece of memorabilia to think back um, to these times is an effective way to engage fans. Um, so kudos again to what you're doing over there with Ticket Time Machine. Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, it was great to talk. What, what event are you going to this summer? Do you have something lined up? Uh, concerts, concerts, concerts. Um, first uh, fish show back. 
is going to be in Atlantic City in August for that three night run on the boardwalk. Uh, some stuff up here, really looking forward to seeing Primus for the first time in Boston. They're doing a Rush tribute set um, as part of the show. So really excited for that. And then whatever else I can get myself to. I went to my first movie on uh, this past Friday and uh, you know, remembered how great that experience is. So it was uh, a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to the summer. Uh, quiet Place too. Good, worth seeing. Uh, yeah, if you if you liked the first one, I think they did really well um, continuing the story. It was a, a smart sequel. Uh, won't necessarily say it was a safe sequel, but it was it was a worthwhile uh, successor. Great, yeah. Look, I mean, look, concerts, movies, events. It's going to be a weird feeling. It's a great feeling. Um, it's it's you know, just as a fan, I, I love to to see it, and I'm excited for it. I appreciate you having me on here. I always love talking about events and tickets and, and technology and the future and, and uh, you know, podcasting and just being able to talk about stuff uh, is always fun. So I look forward to, to seeing where you land. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to talk anytime. I appreciate it, Matt. Hope everyone enjoyed. We'll see you next time.